0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, pay dirt! Pay, dirt! pay dirt!
1: At least it's finally over. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pay Dirt Podcast. I am Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Penn State falls to 7-5 and five to finish the regular season in 2021 with a road loss in snowy East Lansing, Michigan. Against the number twelve Michigan State Spartans by a score of thirty to twenty seven in a game that we knew was going to be pretty evenly matched and was just a very difficult game to watch in a lot of capacities. Uh, as I put it on the Blue White Illustrated post game show, a season that came in like a lion and went out like a lamb. Thank God it's over. Uh, We are going to do our best to sift through um, some of the things that happened in this game. I know Matt's got a lot of observations in terms of the play calling. Um, Obviously, playing in the snow made things extraordinarily challenging for uh, both teams. Obviously, you had certain players who were able to uh, get beyond that. But still, uh, I do want to get Matt's take on what he thinks of playing in those types of conditions and what his experience has been like. And we're also going to kind of look ahead at what some of the bowl possibilities are for Penn State. That's not really going to be announced until the uh, conference championship games are done uh, in the coming week. So we're going to wait and see on that. And then we're going to kind of reminisce and look back at the season that was 2021, I think, in a word, frustrating. So, uh, first of all, thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications because the holiday season is in full swing and Bet Online has you covered. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. Bet Online has you covered with football pro and college hoops the nhl boxing ufc even your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of 2021 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports the pater podcast is presented by bet online where the game starts and of course funk brewing is the official craft beer partner of the pater podcast i don't know about you matt as part of thanksgiving weekend I enjoyed some Funk Brewing. I enjoyed it uh, in the wake of this season.
2: (laughs) I know you did as well. (laughs) Yeah, now Funk, look, they do a fantastic job. Funk Brewing Company, they're in Elizabethtown. They're in Emmaus. Um, Their citrus is fantastic. Their little citrus IPA is great. Uh, I talk about it all the time now because I think it's a great winter beer. It's called Cozy. It's that cinnamon plum tea IPA that's really smooth. Their Silent Disco is one of their more popular Uh, Beers that they have. I don't know if I mentioned this one before, Tom. They also have, it's called a Fly IPA. It's like Mm. a beer for the Philadelphia Eagles, which uh, I'm talking about. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Which I'm sure you'd enjoy that, you know, being an Eagles fan. So check that out. But yeah, I was at, you know, the grocery store slash beer distributor the other day. And sure enough, you know, Funk Brewing was on the shelf in there. So check it out. You can find it again at your, you know, grocery store or your local, uh, Uh, beer distributor. They do an awesome job.
1: Yeah. Head to funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Well, fall is here, and we could all use a stiff breeze. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so that you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at Bluetooth.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Look, Thanksgiving weekend is over, and it's time to get off the couch and get back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, head to BlueChew.com. If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help and we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code PAYDERT at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code PAYDERT to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information, and we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the PAYDURT podcast. My buddy JP says a big thank you to Blue Chew. So let's dive into uh, this game against Michigan State. Uh, Actually, before we get into that, I do need to uh, upfront apologize for my ranting and raving in the last episode. Um, If you were confused as to what I was reporting about James Franklin's buyout, first of all, Don't take me and reporting in the same breath. That is a a terrible thing. As I was obviously desperately confused, um, as I think a lot of people were trying to read through the buyout with our half law degrees and such. So um, while I was correct about the fact that the buyout does go down over the length of the contract, that is if James Franklin leaves on his own accord. If he is fired by Penn State University, he is owed a tremendous amount of money far more than his old contract would have given him I am not even going to pretend like I'm going to go into the mathematics and the legalities of it so uh, that's a my bad on my part guys and uh, you know thank you for all commenting and uh, keeping us honest I really appreciate it so now Matt let's talk about this Michigan State game because a part of me that watched it was like This just seems like a bunch of dudes on ice skates for four quarters. And at the same time, there were a lot of things that were a struggle to watch um, from the play calling and game management side, which has been just symptomatic of the entire season. What did you see?
2: Yeah, well, well, look, I don't care about the conditions. Um, That's (laughs) that's why you play in the Big Ten. Right. That's why you go to Penn State. That's why you go to Michigan State. That's why you go to Michigan. That's why you go to Ohio State, Purdue, Wisconsin, you name it. That's Big Ten football right there for me. It's the same for both teams. So there's no, there, there really isn't an, ex, an excuse, right? Uh, so it is what it is. I'll move on from that. Um, when you look at this game time, like I, I just want to go through a couple moments on both sides of the ball and get your reaction. And I just want to talk about how important. And again, I've talked about it almost every single week. So you know, it, get get used to it. Yeah. Uh, I want to show how important situational football is. And what you do in those moments determine whether you win or lose. Because time and time again, like, it it just, for me, maybe, you know, whatever, uh, it it doesn't seem like James Franklin truly understands situational football. I'll start here before I get into it. Purdue beat Michigan State. They ran 85 plays, over 50 passes. Ohio State ran 86 plays, 43 passes. Penn State ran 60 plays. You got beat down in time of possession. This is... Arguably, the worst passing defense in the nation, right? And you only threw the ball, 30, was it 30, 34 times, Tom? Thirty-four, something times, like that. Thirty-four yeah. times. Yeah. So for me, like, so much of game planning is taking a step back and saying, okay, what has beaten this team this year? Right. Now, I, I, again, this is another thing I've talked about a lot. Problems that teams have last week. Or even a few weeks ago, Michigan State gave up 56 points to Ohio State. You gave up over 500 yards passing to Purdue. Those problems don't go away for your defense, Tom. Sure, you can make adjustments and corrections and fix things here or there, but the root of those problems still remain. And they still remain for Michigan State. So, I look, I thought it should have been a throw-heavy game plan. Again, I don't care about the conditions. It is what it is. And Clifford threw the ball well, too, at times. Mm-hmm. In that weather. So, like, pass heavy. I don't care about the run and protect the quarterback. That's it. I mean, you gave up four sacks. There was multiple uh, hurries in that game. It's just like when you watch that stuff, Tom, it's almost like it's like a stubborn, you know, like there's like a stubbornness to it. Like, you you, you go into a game thinking, well, this is what we're going to do. This is what we do as an offense. This is how we're going to try to win this game. And, you know, we we really don't care what somebody else has done to beat this team. And for me, that doesn't make sense because like, you know, (laughs) that that's how it works. What are their weaknesses? Who's exposed them this year? That's great. Let's let's use what has exposed them and let's find what's inside of our offense that we can use that can cause the same problems to this defense.
1: So you had the opportunity to play under Bill O'Brien and I, and I start there because his experience with the New England Patriots. It it speaks to the adaptability of offenses. Now, granted, that's Bill Belichick working in tandem with Bill O'Brien. And that was uh, that dynasty of the Patriots. Frankly, they're still in it, is that they were able to change the game plan every single week. Was that your experience under Bill O'Brien?
2: Yeah, like you had like we had a like a. uh stable of plays you know what i mean like good solid plays that we ran but every yes yes your base but there was always stuff that was being implemented implemented throughout the course of the week like hey we think this could work this week hey hey matt like what did you see you know watching film or stuff like that that you like this week we can use that that may work hey you know what they have trouble with shifts and motions so we're gonna run this base concept still but guess what we're going to do? We're going to shift motion. We're going to confuse them, change up the looks because they have trouble, you know, calling out formations and things like that defensively. So it's always something like you're still running your offense, but like you have to incorporate the things that makes that defense struggle, right? What's mm-hmm. their weakness? Find it and use it against them. Um, you know, I just I just don't think Penn State did that enough on Saturday, Tom. and. You know, like the whole, like every time there's a fourth down, too. Like, we talk about it all season. Yep. You know what I mean? And I can't, like, the first one of the game, the fourth and one, like, that's fine. I, I like not going for it and punting it away. And, I was, and because, of the, because
1: of the conditions for both teams, you could see that they were plenty of times where both teams were, like, in field goal range and they're like, yeah. the guy can't even get his footing. So you understand that. I got, like, that, I was weather. fine
2: with it early yep. in the game on the road, right? You don't want to go down. You don't, you don't want to give them the ball in your territory and go down 14 nothing Like, again, on the road, which is what happened anyways, but at least they had to drive, you know, the whole entire field and they had to work for it to get it. But, like, again, every time there's a fourth down, it's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? What are they going to decide to do here? And I get why Penn State gets criticism for that. Because every single week, like, there's no rhyme or reason as to why they do it, or why they go mm-hmm. for it. And I feel like you're just guessing right? You have to pay attention to the way the game feels, the atmosphere of the game, the situation where you're at. You can't continue to rely on the analytics of the game, right? Oh, what does the stats say I should do here? Like, it doesn't always work on that, right? What is this moment telling you, right? How are we throwing the football today? How are we running it today? How have we been over the past week or 24th? How is this defense, you know, in certain situations on the field, right what's their weakness what's the tendencies of this defense in certain areas of the field right i kind of feel like tom it's just a lot of times it's been oh it's fourth down you know let's uh let's just go for it here oh hey mm-hmm. let's punt it right it too many times it feels like it's just just a guess
1: it feels reactionary it feels yes. emotional as opposed to measured and calculated and you know, a field general being able to remove himself from the situation and play the game of chess as opposed to checkers. And listen, it's an emotional game. I think we say that till we're blue in the face. It's one of the oldest cliches about football. That's true for players and the coaches. I don't think there's one head coach at any level that can say they haven't gotten ticked off about something in the moment and you make a silly decision or you just don't react as you would if you were calm. And those things happen. But... They happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, Matt, you know, when I watch James Franklin make decisions for fourth down plays, it, it reminds me of when I play Madden and I'm just like, F it, I'm going for it. You know, it's <laughs> which is not a good game plan. Fine on my PlayStation. Not OK with what is supposed to be one of the best
2: programs in the country. Yeah. And that's where I'll start here, kind of with with some of these moments in the game and situations in the game. So let, let's start with that third and seven. Right. The whole third and seven run up the middle is just that that's that's inexcusable, right? You can't do that. And like that right there, Tom, that call was, all right, we're going for on fourth down. So let's just run it on third down, which I don't agree with. Why try to wait and get it on fourth down? Right. Let's throw it on third and seven. Let's just try to get it here on third down. And mm-hmm. guess what? If it's not there, your quarterback that has over 30 starts in his career should know enough to check the football down and get you to a fourth and manageable, right? That's that. Like that's what that is. So, all right, great. Keevon Lee, gets he, he gets six yards. So now it's fourth and one, Tom. And here we go. Shotgun inside zone. Let's have our 235-pound running back start from a stationary position with no momentum. Mm -hmm. Like that's, and that's something we've talked about all the time, like these fourth down moments, the short yardage, the goal line, constantly being in the shotgun. Not, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in like playing the game underneath center. Like I'm a huge believer. You know what?
1: That That is, I thought of you at the beginning of the third quarter because Kevon Lee to his credit. Was starting to get going. I yeah, think he ran it well. Yeah. He ran well. He was dancing a little bit. And that's been kind of his problem his entire time at Penn State is that he tries to make too many moves when he can be a really devastating north-south runner if he bothers to do it correctly. But he was having success. And my first thought that came into my mind, I was like, start of the third quarter. Imagine if Penn State went under center and went with some tighter uh- line splits. And went with I backs or just you know an ace back or something and just tried to run it into the interior of Michigan State. They were having success.
2: I'm not like I'm not against the shotgun. I love the shotgun. It's fine. Like it's it's great. But like uh, again, I'm a huge believer, and you have to be able to play the game under center at some point in time, Tom. Like Tom, if I was even if I was in the shotgun in that situation, I would have walked up, got under center, and I would have been able to sneak it for three yards. Mm-hmm. With that look and that front, Michigan State was running. Like it's just it's hard, Tom. And I bring and again, like I, I always talk about like, handing the ball to your running back in a stationary position. Because here's why: Mike Miranda got crushed back into the backfield. Drew Scruggs didn't block anyone on that play. So like, it, it, there's just like he's getting the ball, and guys are already on. Like guys are already in the backfield on top of him. And like it's like this is like it's high, it's like high school football stuff that they're doing right. in moments like that. I said earlier, it's almost this this stubborn thing that they're doing rather than just saying, all right, you know, we've been wrong. We've struggled in these moments, right? Let's like, let's start playing from under center. Hey, Sean, you know, if you've got two, three techniques or you got a shade and a three technique and there's a gap there to the right side, just, you know, tap your center, make a call and sneak it like it's like, (sighs) I couldn't tell well, you. I think we did f- that. I think we did that. Like Penn State, like, it, like obviously, like, like I, I'm just so confused over the whole thing. But it's like, oh, uh, by, I my too. senior year, like my senior year at Penn State, I probably uh, between 25 and 30 times. I, I probably did a, did a QB sneak. It's just it's a huge. That is a huge strength. strength to have on yeah. your offense for moments like that.
1: To continue to rely, especially on the quarterback dive straight up the gut. Considering that, like we we know what Sean Clifford is as a runner at this point, um, the the one to the outside, I think it was third and long. I can't remember exactly what it, it was in the second half where he uh, Sean was trying to run to the boundary and nobody really blocked it very well. But like, in what world is Sean Clifford going to beat anybody in the Big Ten defensively to the edge, get the corner, and get the first down? There were a lot of play calls in terms of quarterback draws that I was just like, listen. It's a, I am going to give a little bit of credit to the fact that you're playing in the snow. So you've got to your point, Kevon Lee and Sean Clifford, two guys who are not about acceleration. And you're asking them to do that from the shotgun multiple times per game to the point that it felt like, and I don't want to make the comparison, but I will, the Kirk Sirocco offense where it was just, well, we'll go in the shotgun, we'll hand it off. and We'll run in the A gap and the B gap and we'll just see what happens. And it's like, that's not what we expected with Mike Yursich. So it's, it's very challenging to see that that, is what played out
2: no yeah yeah you said it perfectly tom this is not like this is not what i expected to see from mike yurisich and i'm a big fan of mike yurisich i really am i think he's a good quarterback coach i think he's a good offensive coordinator Uh, it's just this some of the stuff we're seeing is not what i expected and Mm -hmm. again like 23 to 20 they get the ball back even after that uh that fourth down stop and there's a third and one there's five Michigan State defenders in the box, Tom. Like, y- you should be able to run for 20 yards versus that look. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, Juice Scruggs doesn't block anybody. I'm not picking on him. But th- it's just that's just what happened. He didn't, he didn't block anybody. And Michigan cut, State was
1: daring them to do it all day. This, exactly. The were just like, hanging out and saying, go for guys,
2: it. These guys, like, they, 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 this offensive line, they cut the nose tackle loose. Keyvon Lee fumbles. Like, I mean, you can't make this stuff up, man. Again, Michigan State's in the backfield before Lee even got the ball. Um, like somewhere along the line, like during self scouting, or even when you like break the film down in the off season, like you gotta know like stuff like that short yardage goal line situations. Like you've been brutal there. Like, and I just think like, I feel like they just, they're just, they just think like, Oh, that's, you know, that's what we do. That's just the way it is. Like, bro, it's not, that's, that's not, you gotta be able to make the changes. You gotta make the adjustments in this game. And, Tom, they haven't they haven't done any of that.
1: And I do put myself in Mike Yurcich's shoes for a moment and be like, well, I can't name one thing the guy hasn't tried this season. So there's got to be part of him that's just like, I I can call anything and it might not work. It's, there's got to be immense frustration. And, again, that comes back to a, a vicious cycle of, Recruiting problems and in terms of the way this offensive line is structured has been a problem the entirety of the season. And if you don't have anything there from pass protection or run blocking, nothing really works. And that's been unfortunately the problem all season long. And we've seen that for a number of years already. Of Penn State football. I do want to ask you about some of the play choices and the game management decisions, especially in the fourth quarter when the game was winnable for Penn State. Uh, We are going to kind of look at what the bowl season could look like, and we're also going to take a look back, unfortunately, at 2021. Uh, but before we do that, we want to let you know that all of us involved here in the Paydirt podcast are proud supporters of Thon, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. Thon is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. Thon is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels, and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds. Never a dull moment. Okay, the fourth quarter, Matt. <clears throat> I want to start with icing your own kicker <laughs> thoughts. You go ahead. It sounds
2: like you have something to say. Go ahead.
1: Well, I just for a moment, I was like, well, he must want to regroup and talk about something. And maybe just maybe he wants to run a fake. It's <laughs> like, please don't run a fake. And and then um, to see uh, the, the indecision really. Of a you know we saw Jordan Stout we saw Jake Penninger and it was like we hadn't seen Jake Penninger all season long like mm-hmm. why why are you waiting until the last game of the season that now you're thinking about kicking questions like is is the snow that bad was Stout injured in some capacity I'm sure James Franklin talked about it after the game but I did not listen to the man speak so whatever but like
2: <laughs> what the yeah, hell <laughs> I don't, I don't know man like I, I just think it's we've and we've talked again like I we've talked about this before. Um, on the show, is it, is it, a, I think it's a confidence thing, right? It's not believing in your kicker, not believing in your players. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand it at this point. Like, right? uh, I mean, I think about, uh, again, I brought up 2012 already on this show. I'll bring it up 2012 again. You know, the second game of the season where Sam Ficken struggled mm. when we lost, we lost, we lost at Virginia. Bill O'Brien publicly stated that, you know, we're sticking with Ficken, right? He's our guy. He's our kicker. And Ficken went on to have a fantastic year, made a lot of changes to his kicking game, and he won the Wisconsin game for us at the end of the year, right? The, the field goal kick um, in overtime. You know what I mean? Like some guys, man, they just, they, they need support. They need somebody to tell them like, hey, man, you're able to bounce back. You're fine, right? You could get the job done. Um, I just think, you know, there's been a few times and a few moments throughout this season, Tom, where there's just like he just he hasn't had that confidence in the kick game that I think kickers expect to have and and, and kickers need.
1: I've said it before. Jordan Stout's a great punter. I don't think he's that good of a kicker. And this obsession that has been recent with James Franklin and the special teams uh, uh, group is that. Uh, the, having one guy do all the duties,
2: uh, does that have to be the answer every single year? It's a lot, man. I mean, I think it's gotta be a lot, right? Kicking field goals, kicking off, punting the football. Yeah, it's definitely a lot. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't know how much, you know, how much of a toll that takes on you, you know, it takes on your leg. I'm not a kicker. I mean, I kicked a little in high school, Tom, you know, field, field goal kicker. That a little go? bit. If, oh, I, I made one and, uh, I made one in the state playoffs actually. But, but, uh, <laughs> okay. but no, man, like, I, again, I, I don't know. To, like, what I mean, but look, it is what it is. And, you know, he, he's been, he's been doing that the whole year. Or so, I mean, obviously, it hasn't been a problem for him, but I just think, I think it's a confidence thing. I think it's a mental thing. And I think when you're dealing with, with players like that, you know, quarterbacks, kickers, um, where the mental game is very important and it's crucial to your success you got to be there to 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 build confidence on those guys and support those guys regardless of whether they're throwing the football well kicking the football well or whatever whatever it may be you got to support those guys and put your trust and your faith in them
1: so uh we we've talked about the Penn State offense and their special teams the Penn State defense um it just felt like they had hung on all season long and it was just the end of a very long road not a lot was playing in their favor. Um, credit to DaQuan Hardy coming up with the pick six. Virtually the yeah. only real signs of life in the second half for the entire team. Um, he, he's had a
2: good year. He's had he's had a really well, he's good had year. an excellent season.
1: Yeah, he's gonna yeah. he has a bright future ahead yep. of him, and I, yep. I was thrilled to see that happen for him. But it was like that was the only scoring for quite some time in the second half for Penn State, and it just actually no, it well, was yeah. There was another one down the stretch. Excuse me, um, but just. I didn't even I wasn't even mad about with the way the defense played again mm-hmm. I, I do factor in playing in the snow for these guys trying to play anything in zone trying to tackle in space guys like Brandon Smith had a really rough day Tig Brown had a rough day and it's like it's not like you just absolve them and you move on but it just kind of was like man they fought their butts off all season yeah. long the only reason Penn State won seven games this year is because of that defense and it just felt like the end of a very long season they just They they were out of punches to throw. What do you? Well, it's
2: it's a that's it's a tough one for them because of the style of offense Michigan State has. Right? I mean, Kenneth Walker, bad matchup for Penn State. Yeah, uh, you know it's you know you know he's going to run the football. Tough. Uh, He was going to get twenty five to thirty carries. I think he had thirty one carries. But but yeah, that that that's a tough matchup, not just for Penn State, but for anyone really. But like mm-hmm. again, you know, we're talking about situations, we're talking about moments on today's show. And 20 to 17, Tom. You know, there's 342. I think was it the third quarter now? Whatever. Um, whatever. It was the third and goal from the 13. The flag on, on on Joey Porter. Um, it looked like man coverage. And for me, it's 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 why. And I'm not picking on on pride because he's done a fantastic job all year obviously um we, we talk about him every single week the job he's done how important he is to the success of this team and and the success of that defense but there were, were a couple moments where i kind of just i kind of disagreed that's all so mm-hmm. flag on joey porter looked like it was man coverage why play zone porter you know for how good he is he has struggled over the past few weeks especially with flags pass interference calls right They get the flag. Again, it was third and long from the 13. Touchdown a few plays later. Huge moment in the game. I bring that one up because later in the game, it's 23-20 Michigan State time. The fourth and 15 from the 20. What do you think Michigan State is going to do there? They're throwing for the end zone. Right? Like drop eight. Play prevent. Penn State was like in a low quarters look, like a low cover for Jaden Reed on Johnny Dixon one-on-one. Reed is one of the best big play wide receivers in the Big Ten. Nothing against Johnny Dixon, but he's got seven tackles and two passes defended on the year, Tom. I was just so confused over that coverage in that situation, in that moment, touchdown Michigan State, 30-20 to games, games essentially over at that point. You know, so it's just it's small things like that that hurt Penn State Saturday and have hurt them throughout the year. Uh, I want to come back
1: to what you were saying about Joey Porter, Jr just because I, I think you and I both agree. The guy has enormous talent, yes, tremendous potential. The guy's gonna play on Sundays,
2: oh yeah, oh but yeah,
1: his issues are at the points of contact and then late in the play. it just seems like he gets nervous and that's why he gets. Uh, handsy for lack of a better term and that's why he he draws penalties so he knows he's good
2: he, he knows he's yeah. good so what's you know the what solution to that in
1: the offseason do you just tape his hands to his chest and have <laughs> him go through practice like this is little giants or something like that and be like hey
2: don't touch him you know like obviously I've never played defensive back before um I've never you know coached out of the defensive side of the ball or anything like that but you know I, I think it's just him continuing to grow Continuing to develop, continuing to learn how to play the position the right way, him understanding and knowing that he's good is huge because again, that's a big confidence thing for him. Knowing he can shut down any wide receiver because he's very he's he's very capable of doing that, Um, and he has he's done a great job all year. But I think I think like when when a guy gets up on him attacks his technique, right? He's just so concerned with stopping somebody. Right, That he's trying to force them to redirect or force them to not get open or force them to not create separation. And it's causing these holdings and and these PI calls um, against him, Tom. Um, But look, for how fast he's developed, there's no doubt a guy like that is going to be able to make those corrections very easily.
1: Very excited to see uh, what his future is all about. Um, And part of, you know, looking to the future, I think Penn State fans need to take a moment to be appreciative of uh, what is soon to become its past. And I mean, a lot of guys that may not be a part of the program next season, either because of graduation or going to the NFL. I'm looking at guys like Jahan Dotson, who had a fantastic game against Mm -hmm. Michigan State. you know, was banged up a little bit earlier in the season, but still finishes the season with over a thousand yards, uh, receiving eighty three catches, ten touchdowns. I believe um, hell of a season. The guy's going to have a great career in the NFL if he, he can stay healthy. and He finds the right situation, obviously. Um, personally, watching the game, I felt bad for guys like him, for guys like Duquan Brisker, who've you know fought their butts off. You know, those guys are going to be fine uh, in terms of the professional ranks. And then uh, a guy like Sean Clifford who. Honestly, I know a lot of Penn State fans have been callous in terms of like, hey, we saw what Vayu could do. Alara's coming. You know, time to hit the bricks. I love the way you put it in one of our last episodes in terms of Sean Clifford's earned the right to call his shot of whether or not he's coming back and coming back as the starter for the Penn State football team. Uh, Whether I believe as a fan I want that or not is really not the point that I'm trying to make is that. I think people need to show a little bit more freaking appreciation for what Sean Clifford did, as you mentioned, over 30 starts in his career, um, navigating through um, some extraordinarily challenging seasons and playing with a lot of talented guys and um, some high hopes that just unfortunately weren't there. But um, I, I felt bad for him because the dude, I can only imagine what he's experienced, injuries, illness the doubters, people talking from the outside, people like us talking about him every single week. Um, when you watched him play and, you know, if we did watch his last regular season game as a Penn State Nittany Lion, what are you going to think of when you think of Sean Clifford's
2: career? Yeah, he he did a lot of great things. Um, you know, um, definitely a great leader for Penn State. It really seems like the team rallied around him. Um, you know, played the game with a lot of emotion. You could tell he, you know, he took his preparation very seriously, um, understood the game plan, um, was tough, man. You know, it, 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 it takes a tough guy to play play quarterback at Penn State and tough guy to play quarterback in the Big Ten. And, you know, he, he did a great job of that. Um, uh, obviously, you know, I think you said it already. It's it, it has to be frustrating for him because I don't want to say it was a missed – opportunity because that's that's not fair Tom Um, but it's just I think it was just unfortunate that he he got injured in that Iowa game Mm. and it was handled the way it was handled and he just it wasn't he wasn't the same after that so that's I think that's what's difficult about it um, because you look at it and you look at the first you know five weeks or so of the season and you think you know. Boy, he he could have had a really really good year um, mm-hmm. if he stayed healthy. If he didn't play in the Illinois game, he took the two weeks off. He came back and he was, you know, he, he was fully healthy. You know, heading into Ohio State. Um, so, um, but yeah, what's next is huge. Again, you know, he deserves to have that sit down with Mike Yurcich and James Franklin and talk about his future. You know, about coming back for for a sixth year. Um, and see, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out moving forward. He has a sixth year, right? With this whole, yeah, because yeah. of COVID, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. Can he, like, could you transfer and play at another school? Theoretically, I believe you could. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows, man? Like, uh, yeah, I was imagine. Like, don't, quote, yeah. don't
1: quote me uh, on uh, that. Uh, am yeah. <laughs> not a reporter, but uh, yeah. I think that's the case.
2: Well, I there's think. so many, like, there's so many crazy rules now in college football like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard it's hard to keep up with a lot of them. So I mean I'm just sitting here thinking now, like, imagine if he has that a meeting with you know Yurcich and Franklin. They're like, hey, listen, we appreciate everything you've done, but we're gonna move right. forward with Vayu and and Drew Hell, Lahr. You, you can do
1: anything in college sports. J.R. Smith is playing golf. Yeah, that's at crazy. N C A N T right crazy. now. I believe that's the name of the school. I hope I that's have that crazy. correct. But like crazy, you can do anything.
2: <laughs> yeah. But again, imagine again, imagine if he wants to come back for a sixth year you know, Penn State decides to head into a different direction. He transfers to another school.
1: Crazier things have happened. Uh, You mentioned what's next. So not to get ahead of ourselves, obviously, uh, Penn State is bowl eligible. So we very well could see Sean Clifford playing in a bowl game for Penn State. Uh, Last season, clearly things went completely off the rails. Four and five finish, middle of the pandemic. 2020 was a disaster for plenty of schools. So Penn State was like called mercy on the season, even though they were bowl eligible and Mm -hmm. just, Uh, declined a bowl invitation. Um, That's not the expectation this year. I believe a 7-5 and finish, there's enough pride in this program, and there's a lot of seniors that um, James Franklin will probably want to reward them with the opportunity. Um, We are going to have to wait uh, about a week's time to find out what bowl game Penn State is in. Obviously, the conference championship games are going to go down uh, this Saturday. Uh, Some of the early projections are the Pinstripe Bowl, the Music City Bowl, and the las vegas bowl um some opponents that i've seen thrown out there and again this is by pundits prognosticators uh, sports media outlets etc so none of this is official by any means i've seen louisville missouri arkansas virginia yada 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 thrown out there as uh, opportunities arizona state as well yeah ucla um,
2: i've seen ucla
1: ucla so it and that's a lot of people just kind of guessing based on Mm -hmm. where teams have fallen um do you hope to see Penn State in a bowl game um yeah, and yeah. Do you think the program places
2: value on a bowl game this season. Well, it should because it gives your players another opportunity to play another game. Which you, you only get a certain amount of games to play in time, you know, in your college career. So, um absolutely, you know, I look forward to seeing them play in a bowl game. I'd liked, I mean the of the bowls that you just mentioned, I'd like to see the Vegas Bowl. Um just because I think that one has, like, the most wow factor to it, right? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium Bowl kind of hides the fact you're 7-5. and five. You Oh, know, yeah. You could play in Arizona State, play a UCLA, uh, Pac-12, Big Ten. Again, Vegas, Allegiant Stadium, brand new, massive stadium, you know, Raiders home field. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I think that can, you know, Make a make a big impact for them, um, and I, I, again, you you tend to forget that they would, you know, they're seven and five playing in, you know, a bowl like that. So mm-hmm. we'll see.
1: I, I saw one projection that was potentially uh, Penn State and Virginia in the pinstripe Bowl, and part of me died inside because watching Virginia, I would rather watch a Service Academy team than watch Virginia <laughs> play football. Like, spare me. And then it becomes, as a fan, where would you rather go? Would you rather go to New York City in the middle or the end of December, or would you rather take a nice trip to Vegas or a nice trip to Nash Vegas? You have your options.
2: <laughs> well, that, that, again, that's that's what I'm saying. You know, again, that kind of hides, you know, the the struggles that this team has faced this season, the close games, the losses. I'm not sure how much Penn State has not it or james franklin or anything like that but if it were me i'd be i'd be i would be pushing for for a bowl game like that
1: so speaking of james franklin let's look back one more time here on the 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 year that was i'm sure we'll do that again after the bowl game and it's going to be consistent but looking back on the 2021 season what do you believe will define this 2021
2: season Mm. in history Yeah, I think look, I think it's the Iowa game. I really do, you know, because it's that it has that what if moment to it, right? You're rolling, you beat a good Auburn team who just went toe to toe with Alabama, right? You beat a Wisconsin team who really was dominating until you know you get upset by by Minnesota, Um, and they would have they would have given Michigan a better game. Then I think Iowa's going to give them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I think you look at it's that Iowa game. You're rolling in that game on the road against at the time the number two team in the nation, one of the better defenses in the country. Sean Clifford is playing the best football we've seen him play at Penn State. The offense is clicking, um, really explosive in the pass game. Um, he gets hurt. You know, again, I've talked about it before. The situation was handled wrong. And you couldn't recover from it, right? You lose the Illinois game, you lose the Ohio State game. You struggle in situational football all year, struggling in short yardage, goal line moments, things like that. You lose the Michigan State on the road. Um, You know, again, it's a frustrating season and it's a frustrating year. Um, And uh, it's just a tough year, again, because I don't want to say it's a missed opportunity. I don't want to say it's a lost year because that's not fair to the players. Right, that's not fair to the fans. Those kids played in those games. They prepared for those games. They played tough in those games. Um, But it's just—it's almost, you know, what if? Right, you're close. Mm -hmm. You're that close. You're just not there.
1: Um, I I agree with you in terms of the turning point on the field. The turning point off the field, I think, is 100% the events of this past week. Mm -hmm. James Franklin's contract extension plus the stimulus package, as I'm phrasing it, for the football program. You hope that that is enough. Now, obviously, as I mentioned before, and I encourage people to uh, you read up on James Franklin's contract on their own, it's a very James Franklin friendly contract. So this is going to be a very long process of seeing where it goes from here. What is the continued tolerance of the athletic department and the Penn State university administration with James Franklin's on field win loss percentage? Um, He's played, he's now re- uh, coached uh, 100 games, and he is 67 and 33 overall. He is 11 and 10 overall in his last two seasons, and he is 8 and 10 in the Big Ten in his last two seasons. And I thought a very interesting statistic provided by our own uh, good friend, Mike Porman from statecollege.com uh, how it started James Franklin's first 26 games, 14 and 12 how it's going his last 26 games, 14 and 12. So it appears we've gone up and
2: come down again. Here's the last thing I'll, I'll I'll say about it. Um, James Franklin said, the future is bright. You're in year eight. You're not in year two or three, bro, bro. You're in this, you are in the future. (laughs) And uh, if I was a player and you're talking about the future, That would drive me crazy, man, because I am here now, right? I I don't care about the future. I don't care. I I talked about it last week. I don't care that you're making the weight room bigger and all stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's nice and all that's great, but I'm here now and I'm trying to win now, man. And we lost five Mm -hmm. games this year. So what are we doing right now to fix that? On the positive side, uh, Based on paper, it appears there is an excellent
1: recruiting class coming into Penn State. We will see if that comes to fruition. And uh, if we're all fortunate, there is a bowl game coming up and we'll see what is decided on that front by Penn State and where they land. And hopefully they accept it because I'm with you. I would like to see a lot of these players uh, get another opportunity out there, whether it's You know, just to play one more time in a Penn State uniform or to bolster their status if they try and move on to the professional ranks. So uh, obviously, with Penn State not playing this weekend, we do not have a Friday edition, of Pater. We will be back this coming Monday, hopefully to discuss some news with you guys about what the bowl situation is for Penn State. And uh, we're just going to hopefully put a bow on this season and go from there, but we're, we're excited for the month of uh, December and January we're rolling into the holiday. We're going to have some more guests coming on to the show. Uh, as we've mentioned, uh, Matt's going to be away on some paternity leave in January. So we're going to bank a bunch of episodes with uh, some of your favorite names and personalities throughout the history of Penn State football. Again, please send us messages on social media, comment on this on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and let us know who you'd like to hear from. We've had some awesome guests so far and we're going to keep digging into that. So uh, thank you all for tuning in for liking, commenting, subscribing and turning on notifications. I'm Tom Hannafin. He's Matt McGloin. And we'll see you Monday for another edition of Pater.
0: Oh, Pater! Pater!